0: Good morning City Life, and uh, welcome City Lifers, visitors. So grateful to have another week where we're together. So grateful that we can have this online space. We did not foresee corona coming back up like it has been, but um, we were never gonna neglect this online space, and we're glad that we haven't. If you're on this, then um, we love you just as much as we do, anyone who is in person. And we're gonna continue to be navigating this season with all the wisdom that we can. Continuing to um, take care of one another and, and our whole church, and um, trying to be a gathering church, uh, in with God's wisdom. And so we love you. We're grateful. If you're new here, hit that "I'm new" button that we've already talked about because we want to connect with you. We want to invite uh, you to our things. We want. I want to have a cup of coffee with you. I want to have a. Let's have dinner. Why not? Um, yeah, we just we want to connect with our city, with anyone here, with anyone that wants to know about Jesus and wants to explore Him. That's what we're here for. That's why we are a church and not just a social club. And so, yeah, I'm great. We're grateful. I'm grateful that you're here with us. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Pedro Reese, and I'm the lead pastor here. And um, uh, yeah, let's let's get into today's sermon. Um, today is a standalone sermon which usually means that there, are like there are these sermons before to take a break from doing just big projects the whole time we have these standalone sermons and they're usually the ones that like i am most nervous for because they're usually, like they usually come because i've only been preaching now for like three years they like these are sermons that i've thought and dreamed of and like put so much of my heart towards for years and i've carried them for years and i feel pregnant with each and every single one of them and then I, like, how do you boil down years of wanting to say this in 35 minutes? It's just utterly impossible. I feel like these standalone sermons are the worst ones that I do, but, like, I, I'm excited to explore these with all of us because it's just been on my heart for so long. Uh, next week, we will start our first sermon series of the year, which, sneak peek, is all about how Luke is actually a gospel of how Jesus ate meals with people. But uh, that was just a sneak peek. And then we're also going to unveil our themes for the year. Like, What are the big overarching themes that are going to n- help us navigate the year? Like, What do we feel like are like special assignments from the Lord for this year? For us, by the time New Year comes along, like, what are the things that we pray we are significantly more mature in? We'll talk about those next week. Uh, and so let's start off today. I read this article this week by a pastor in the Boston area. His name is Eric Raymond. And I couldn't put it better myself, so to not risk plagiarizing him, I'm just going to read what he says. Eric Raymond, a a Boston pastor, says, There are many reality shows that end with a staggering renovation. Imagine if they just showed us the end result and never showed the mess they found in the beginning. The beauty of the work is perceived through the lens of contrast. Without seeing the picture before, it's hard to appreciate what you find as a result of the work. Today, we're going to be honing in on this idea of contrast. Our whole passage this week is a passage of contrast. It's only design is to contrast two people and to see which one comes up top. And I love contrast. Contrast is just such a, like we are so wired as people biologically and neurologically to find contrast in everything in stories that we hear in visuals contrast like we are designed for contrast that's why it makes such a mark on us and like i see contrast in god's scripture all the time when god is like in the life of somebody and they change and just their life goes into different directions like moses we just preached through moses last year at the end of last year right and just think about the man who killed the Egyptian, and ran to Midian, and named his firstborn son uh, Gershom. And then think about the man that we see at his death, sitting on a mountainside with his Lord. Totally different men. The same man, but t- different men. And think uh, in, 20, in the summer of 2020, we preach, I preached through Saul's conversion. And like talk about contrast, right? Acts chapter 9 introduces uh, Saul first, originally Saul, and he's like a monster. He's like not even human. It says that he like breeds out threats and he's eager to kill Jesus' followers. Um, He's just this monster. And on his way to Damascus to go and find more of Jesus' followers, Jesus meets him on the road and becomes blind, and then he sends Ananias three days later to go and talk and pray with with Saul and as Ananias is praying it says that like scales fall off of his eyes and just think about the contrast there like between this monster who is breathing out death and then this like man who begins to be human for the first time we even see in Saul and Paul in his name right the contrast there Saul means prayed for which totally fits who Saul was he thought he was the answer that everyone had been praying for. He thought that it's like, oh, like everything's pointing to me. Not that he thought he was the Messiah, but he's like, okay, yeah, like I'm, I'm the guy, right? I'm the one everybody is here for. I'm the one everyone's waiting for. Like I'm going to, he says himself, like he was going to be the Jew of Jews, the Pharisee of Pharisee. He was the guy. And then when he finally met the guy Jesus, he's like, man, I can't be, I can't be Saul anymore. I'm actually Paul, which means little. And we see the contrast even in his spiritual walk with Jesus. Like in his first epistles, he, he calls himself a sinner, like a big sinner. And then at the end of his apostles, when he like really knows the, a lot further the depths of grace, he's like, I'm not just a sinner. I am the chief of all sinners. We see like, oh, wow, like the, look at that contrast right there in just one person's journey. And I see a lot of beautiful contrast in my favorite story in all of Scripture, in Mark chapter five, when a demoniac man comes to Jesus. Like in that story, in Mark chapter five, Mark, uh, Jesus is going to a foreign land. He leaves Israel, and as soon as his boat hits the land, this demon, uh, this man with a legion of demons, comes to him, and they have this interaction. It's like, "What are you doing? Don't like, don't cast me out or anything." And they have this interaction, and at the end of it. Jesus casts out this man's demons. 2,000 demons into 2,000 pigs. The pigs run into the sea and they all drown. And the people around are like, uh, what just happened? And so they go to investigate. And it wasn't the demons in the pigs. It wasn't these like 2,000 pigs dead in the sea that freaked them out. Though I'm sure that was part of it. When they get to where Jesus was, they see the scene. And it's Jesus and the man. And the man was clothed and in his right mind and mark 15 says that they became afraid right they weren't afraid when they saw the pigs they were afraid when they saw the man that they knew how different he was they saw that like this man who they knew lived day and night in the graves who day and night shouted and cut himself who was like so tormented that chains and shackles couldn't hold him down and when they see him in his right mind and they see the contrast of who they thought this man was it freaks them out, and they, they beg Jesus to leave. And so today like, we're talking about contrast. Because honestly, your testimony, my testimony, anyone who believes in Jesus is also a testimony of contrast. Like whether you grew, like, grew up in the church or you came to faith in Christ later on in life, everyone's testimony is a testimony of contrast. I was dead, and I'm alive in Christ. Like, sin had its hold on me, and now I am free in Christ. Even if we don't always feel that, that is our story. It's a story of contrast, that Jesus comes and does something utterly remarkable, and we are like contrasted with who we used to be. And so what is the contrast that we're going to talk about today? We've been setting up contrast up until now, about eight minutes of contrast. Today we're going to be looking at how the New Testament gets Jesus and gets Adam, and says, "You know what? We're going to examine these two together. We're going to contrast them a bit to see what their legacy was. We're actually going to finally pay off a sermon that we ha- I have been like, uh, what, doing a spoiler." reviews on for years, like Shamoy's favorite rabbit hole in the Bible. We're going to be looking at how Jesus is the second Adam, and we're going to be answering some questions like, okay, what's the difference between these two men? How is Jesus the second Adam? And also, a little bit weird, we're going to look at what was the legacy that each man brought, specifically by addressing which trees did they each leave us with? What tree did Adam offer us? And what tree does Jesus invite people into? And so let me pray. Let me pray as we enter into this. And then we're going to be in Romans 5, verses 11, not 11, 12 to 19. And so let me pray. Let me pray so we can invite the Holy Spirit here. Lord, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for all of us here gathered. Holy Spirit, I like just to start off, I just want to invite you right now into the preaching of this recording, and when we're hearing it, and when we're digesting it. And Lord, I just pray that you would empower me to preach it, and us to hear it, and to allow it to do something meaningful in our lives. Lord, how are you the second Adam Jesus? How are you the better Adam? How are you the obedient Adam? And what does that mean for us and the shame and the guilt that we carry? Lord, um, I invite you here. We only wanna be here if you're here. And so Holy Spirit, thank you for joining us. I love you. Jesus, we do this for you in your name. And I pray all this in Jesus's name, amen. Amen, so let's read our word for today a little bit of a warning romans is dense rome if you want to learn theology this year study romans spend time in romans because it is quite dense but so meaningful at the same time so we're going to be in romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 19. if you're curious for more of second adam theology go to First Corinthians 15, and go to Philippians chapter 2. Oh, such an interesting, rich, pregnant idea that Scripture tells us about. And so let's read God's Word. God says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's talk about how this passage contrasts the first Adam to the second one. And let's start off by talking about the two men. This Romans passage here, Romans chapter 5, takes these two men and they like spend the whole time just mashing them together. And the second like that you need relief, it just gets, pops out over here. It gets it and mashes them a little bit more and mashes them a little bit more. The whole purpose of this passage is, you know what, these two men need to be contrasted a bit. We just squish them together and see what comes out. Every verse, every word here has one purpose in mind, and it's to contrast these two men. Which, nerdy nugget of the day, these are the only two men in Scripture who don't have earthly fathers because, um, I almost said Moses, because Adam, first man ever made, as scripture tells us, like God formed all of creation, and then he was like, okay, I want to create man, and so he forms Adam out of the dust, you forms what he has already made, forms this body, and he leans in and breathes his breath, and the human, like this Adam, shares this special responsibility, authority with the Lord, and like, Man, like life was just good, the first man ever made. And second nerdy nugget, Adam is a beautiful name, right? But it means man. And so Adam is the first man ever made. But he's also the, all of us, all of us were, would have been Adam. I would have eaten from the fruit. You would have eaten from the fruit. Like Eve would have, Eve, any woman would have eaten from the fruit. Any man would have eaten from the fruit. They like are these people, but they also represent all of us. And he enjoyed Eden and he enjoyed this unity with the Lord that we have never known because we have always had sin in our nature, sin as a part of us. But they had nothing to hide, they had nothing holding them down. It's like this is really interesting to think about the freedom that they had that we've never known. Uh, Scripture even talks about their nakedness, right? When they fell, they realized that they were naked and they became ashamed. But they weren't ashamed because it's like this sign of how free they were there was nothing to hide they enjoyed everything and with god but together adam and eve they both they ate from the tree the one tree god gave them this whole garden and said do whatever enjoy it all let me give you a couple of jobs let me like you name all the animals and do this like let's partner together let's create more of this together and then he's like but don't eat from this fruit and they ate from the fruit. Adam ate from the fruit. And because of it, sin entered the world. Sin came into the world. And then we meet Jesus in God's story. And Jesus does the one thing that Adam, the first Adam, couldn't do, which was be obedient. That every moment of Jesus' life was, this, was obedience. And over and over and over again in the Gospel of John, he's like, I don't, don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what the Father does. I only do what the Father is telling me to do. I only do what he, I see him doing. And he's like, this second Adam is the one who does what God told us to do in the first place, which is obey. And this Jesus, he's not just Jesus Christ, right? He's not Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's not just the Emmanuel, the Messiah, the promised one, right? But he's also the second Adam. He's also held in contrast to Adam, Like He's also the the man in Philippians 2 who was so godly and human and perfect. And man, we can't talk about second Adam theology without addressing Philippians 2, even if it's just for a second of like how Jesus set aside certain parts of who he was so that he could come and live a Holy Spirit-empowered life so that he could be fully man at the same time that he was fully God. And it's like, like, this second Adam is wonderful in every way like did everything that the first one was supposed to do in perfect ways and then we see them in contrast here so let's talk about their contrast and so like i've already said every every word in this portion of text is like designed to contrast these two men i'm pretty sure i'm saying contrast in like three different ways here but you you know you get the drift you know what i'm trying to say right every let's show a picture like i i highlighted these texts to show that like okay one color is talking about adam and one color is talking about jesus i don't know which colors abby's are going to choose which look better on the screen but every single word is either talking about adam and it's either talking about jesus there's no filler there's like no wasted space here it's only these two men being contrasted with one another like, let's even start, you know, verse 12 and 14, dedicated to Adam. It starts off talking about Adam. It says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even more those who are sinning was not type. Okay, so it keeps on going. And it's setting this up right now. Adam brought sin into the world. Right? This, this wasn't God's intention. This wasn't God's plan. He didn't mean for this to or He didn't want for this to happen. But Adam brought it into this world. And then verse 15 starts the contrast, right? It starts the contrast that we're here for today. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. And the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So yeah, yeah, like death came through Adam, right? But Jesus brought this free gift of grace and it extends to many. Like, yeah, yeah, Adam brought it in, but Jesus brought in something different. He brought in something better. He brought in this free gift. It's like, yeah, everyone touched by Adam, which is every single one of us, like we, we've received what he has, but everyone can receive the gift of Jesus, which is his grace. Like, every, like I don't know how this statement is possible, but God makes it, and he makes it all the time. It's like everyone who has ever been born since the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus has had access to this grace. I don't even understand how that's possible. But he claims it to be so, and it's like, everyone has access to grace. Everyone is gonna have this death, like we all carry that. But everyone can receive this new gift. Verse sixteen keeps it going. He says, and the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for judgment for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespass brought justification. And so every time we contrast it like we go into this new set of contrasts and takes a step up he's like yeah like okay this the adam brought condemnation but jesus brings justification i'm like I, i can't even get my words out adam yeah he brought condemnation which all of us know like we don't even have to define that because we know that we know what condemnation is every time we feel shame and guilt and every time we're reminded we're not good enough and every time we say we're not good enough to ourselves like we know like condemnation unfortunately is so intimately known to us but here like jesus doesn't bring condemnation he brings justification like if you don't know what justification is it's this legal term here which we're not going to get super nerdy about here but this is like this is what justification is Justification is that Jesus gave us, through His death and His resurrection, we inherit His status with the Lord, like His perfect, good status. That we have right relationship with Him, not because we are perfect, but because He was. Because He was the second Adam that none of us could have ever been. He was the Adam that like even even Adam couldn't have been. He did it. He's the one who brought us righteousness. And we inherit his status with the lord i will never earn that like that's why we're reminded of grace so much here and verse 17 keeps it going verse 17 for if because of one man's trespass death reigned through the one man, through that one man much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man jesus christ like yeah one man brought sin one man brought death, one man brought condemnation, one man's decisions brought all of these things. But Jesus' death brings grace, righteousness. And then the thing being added here, life. This year, for a while now, I've just been like contemplating, trying to really answer, honestly, answer like why would someone say no to him? Why would someone say no to grace, righteousness, and life? Like, well, why why do we fight Jesus so much? He never hurt anyone. He was all about love. Every religion that speaks about him finds no fault in him. Like Why do, why do we say no? He brings us beautiful things. He brings us forgiveness and redemption, we, but we say no because what comes naturally to us is what adam gave us and then verse 18 to 21 here like they kind of work together here it says therefore as one trespass led to condemnation condemnation for all men so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increases, grace abounds all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So yeah, again, one last time. One man brought in sin. One man brought in condemnation to all people. That's what we all share is what Adam gave us. But Jesus makes it right for all of us. Like what Jesus offers makes us whole, accepts us, covers our cracks. Like Grace abounds more and more. Like Jesus healing the lepers, his health makes us healthy. Not our death makes him hurt. Like He overcomes us with his grace and with his love. We don't make him sick. He takes away what we've inherited from Adam. And then the the last thing that they throw in here is like, you know, it's not just life, but this gift that Jesus offers is this eternal life. Which I like. We can't really understand what that will look like. We get glimpses and pictures in scripture, but like, man, in eternity, a freedom. With the one who set us free. I'll I'll sign up for that yeah like jesus thank you for being the second adam like thank you for for obeying and giving us what adam had and lost and so like one of the things i've done this week is like i put together resumes like okay let's look at adam's resume let's stack that up to jesus's resume because they're being contrasted here and paul in, in romans here is not letting us go anywhere else than holding these two men together. And this isn't like God hating Adam, right? Because he created him. He loved him. But this is like Jesus glorifying Jesus. Jesus is our second Adam. And so what did Adam bring? Like, let's just put it out there really clearly. What does this passage expressly say that Adam brought? He brought sin, trespass, condemnation, and disobedience for all men all people know this. It's in our nature. We share Adam. like We are his children, and so we have what he had. Then what did Jesus bring? What did the second Adam do? Like In the face of all this, in contrasting to all of this, what does Jesus offer us then? Jesus brought us grace, justification, righteousness, and eternal life with him in freedom. And that is offered to the many. Like, all all we need, this is a free gift. All can receive it. Like, all who call on Jesus' name to accept this gift, get it. Jesus paid the price to give it. And all we have to do is say yes. And so let's talk about the two trees that they offer. And so then we now turn our attention to their legacies how both men left two trees as their legacy. Like two trees symbolize what these two men did for us. And Adam, the first Adam, he ate from the one tree that he was supposed to, not supposed to eat from. He ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that brought us sin and death and disobedience and trespass, everything that we've talked about. But then everything else, like shame, and guilt and sadness and desperation and depression and being lost, being separated from God, eternal death. Like he, that's, his, that's the tree that all of us know. That's the tree that all of us seems natural. We all hate it, but we, like that's what we know. But then Jesus came, right? And he changed the world on a cross. He changed the world by letting himself be killed on a tree. If there's one image like a, that I would love to undo, I talked about this with the inn, right, during the Christmas story. I would also put the cross under this like, list of images that I just wish we had a more accurate picture of. Because you see, Jesus wasn't, he wasn't crucified on this beautifully manicured cross, right? He wasn't like, a carpenter didn't labor over this death device. Instead, what would happen is, instead of getting this whole cross pole here, they would just give the criminals the, the cross beam, and you would carry it to a tree, and they would nail you on that tree, and they would nail that cross beam on a tree. And so Jesus like didn't die in this beautifully put together cross. He died on a tree. Acts 5 says, Acts 5, chapter 30 says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging on a tree. And so the thing about that tree is that it seemed like defeat. It seemed like Jesus had lost. That the God of the universe let us touch him that way and we put him out. We extinguished his flame. But little did we know at the time, we know now that that was what God had intended, like Ephesians says, before the foundations of the earth were set, that this was His rescue plan for us. And the reason why our crosses, right, the necklaces and up on our churches, the reason why the Protestant cross, is empty and it doesn't have Jesus is because Jesus isn't on that tree anymore and because that tree instead of being our shame instead of being our curse is actually our tree of life like the, the tree that Jesus died on is the tree that all of humanity should go to to find life like that that tree that represents his death and his resurrection is Jesus's legacy for the whole world. It's this free gift of grace that abounds more and more in the face of sin that, like, has never been overcome. That for over 2,000 years now, this, like, this story of Jesus has never been forgotten, has never been surpassed, has never been neglected. It's captured the imagination of all, like, humanity throughout all of these millennia. This story has not died out, and people have not stopped believing, because there's something about this story that speaks to us in this place that we know, like, oh gosh, like, we need the second Adam. And that, yeah. For salvation, like God Jesus, you're the only way to the Father, but also to this inner freedom that we like all long to experience. Now to conclude today, I was like, okay, wow, like this is a cool idea, right? Second Adam theology is really intellectually curious. Like I love pouring myself into chamoi. We'll talk to you about his online searches about second Adam theology, but more than it just being like curious, the thing about it that so captures us, like the thing about it that we personally need, like know intimately that we have this innate need for, is that like it wipes away our shame. Like Jesus being the second Adam doesn't only give us salvation, and it does very clearly, but it makes us free. That like gives us this ability to, in part, know what Adam and Eve must have been like before they ate, like free, totally naked in front of the Lord and okay with it. Like, oh, like I, there's a part in every human heart that longs to know that freedom. And so, we're here to tell, like, if you're here and you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, was like I, I can confidently tell you search as long as you want, search the whole world, and you'll never find anyone like Christ. You'll never find anyone that brings you freedom like Christ does. Because there is no one who does that like Jesus. He died on the tree so that it could become the tree of life for you to find yourself in his gospel. For every single one of your, sh- all of your shame and all of your guilt to be wiped away in Jesus' name. to Find eternal life in Jesus' name. But then also like for us who are already believers, like this is for us too. Because we don't always feel like we're weightless, right? We don't always feel like we're light and that nothing holds us down. Like we were just human. And so we're held down by ourselves and by other people and by Satan all the time. But Jesus as our second Adam frees us for eternity. And it also frees us from shame and guilt now. And so like I want to encourage us as we start this year. This is our standalone sermon For this to begin the year, our second Sunday of the year, so that we make 2022 this year where we pursue him without abandon so that we can find our freedom in Christ. Like, let's not waste time. Let's dive in. Let's make 2022 a year where we say all the things that are honestly on our heart, where we unload the sins that have been weighing us down. We don't hide in, like, this air of being perfect, that we're not afraid of being vulnerable, but that we allow this year to be a year that changes us profoundly. Because I want this freedom. I want to live my life every day knowing that I feel weightless. Like I don't want anything tying me down anymore. I'll share a story. Uh, an old mentor of mine, I, l- I love her to this day, but uh, I worked under her for a number of years. She shared this picture with me once. She's like, Pedro, like, I feel I get this picture for you. You're on this slave ship, and you're shackled. And you look down and your shackles are gone and you go up and you take a look around and you enjoy freedom for a minute and then you go back and chain yourself back and start rowing again. I'm like, oh, my. I've just been reflecting on that this week. Like, Jesus, like, I, you free me all the time and I weigh myself back down so church, I pray for all of us this year that 2022 is this year where we learn to take off these shackles, that we lean on Jesus as our second Adam who brings us freedom and wipes away all of our shame and guilt and gives us eternal life. All of this, like as abundantly as available to us this year so that we can know him better in this year. So then like, gosh, I have to stop myself. We're running late already. Um, I thank God that Jesus is our second Adam. And Lord, please teach us more of what that means this year. Church, I uh, love you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, email us. Email us at info at Email me at preese at citylifenj.com. We want to connect. We want to live life together. Uh, we're going to try and do that as wisely as we can still in this COVID world. Um, actually the, the flu Rona, right? I think that's what it's called. It's starting back. It's like becoming a thing now. So, um, we love you all. We'll see you on our MCs. We'll see you on prayer calls. Um, reach out and we'll make time to be with one another. We love you all and, uh, enjoy this beautiful snow. Bye.